40 cents, please. Please deposit 40 cents for the first three minutes. Please deposit 15 cents more. Thank you. You have five cents credit. Welcome oh, yeah. to Insomnia PBX. Press one to contact an operator. Press two for the conference system. Press three for local weather. Press four for the time to date. Press five for an ANAC. Press seven for the touchtone game. Press eight for live radio. Nine for pre-recorded radio. Press zero to hack the message. Or press star to fuck coder 365 up the ass. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Shadowcast, episode 11. I'm Whiskey Neon, joined here tonight with Black Math. Yo. Uh, Mr. Chin. Howdy, howdy. And Polygon. Hello. Uh, Waterfall was going to join us, uh, but uh, there is currently a power outage in that part of Plano. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, he's not going to be joining us tonight, and Zandy um, is just being a bad friend. That's why he's not here tonight. Um, yeah, what's he doing? I, I don't know. Uh, apparently, he has a night out on, on the town with some uh, girl. I don't know, but um, we're, we're going to call him right now and uh, try to get to the bottom of why, why he thinks... That it's okay not to uh, handle his commitments. Now, he is the leader of the crypto party, so he is a privacy advocate and does a good job of guarding himself. But if I have to, I will find this girl and we will call her. Oh, yeah. Real nice. You have reached the Sprint voicemail box. I should, I should just two, leave it. Four, I should eight. leave it. No. I'm a nice guy. You don't even know how nice of a guy I am, Zandy. You keep playing these games. <laughs> uh, he's he's going to learn one way or another. Yeah, he he he's gonna get the wrath now. He's on sprint, so he's gonna get uh, about a thousand text messages in a few minutes. Well, <clears throat> Mr. Chin, somebody else other than me. Yeah, when Mr. Chin <laughs> told me he was engaged, 
I sent like 1,500 text messages saying congrats. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and once you send it out, there's no pulling them back. So, like, even if the, it's not even funny anymore, they'll still be coming in for hours upon hours. I remember back in high school. I remember you uh, <laughs> sent me a large number of text messages and my cell phone bill whenever like twenty or thirty dollars from it. Yeah, that was that was the best thing. Oh, it was so great! Like back, I don't know, ten years ago, yeah. um, you could easily send out these text message bombs and screw someone over bad because that was before unlimited texting was a thing. So, and the beautiful thing is with flip phones, that was the best scenario for it because back then, um, you know, how, how it works is it, it was just a PHP script where, uh, depending on the carrier, it would just send an email out to like their phone number at, you know, I don't know, uh, txt.sprint.com or whatever the hell the email address is for text uh, sending an email to a, a cell phone but all you would need is to email that gateway uh, 1500 times and it would send the person 1500 text messages and back then all of the carriers would let you send an unlimited amount of emails they just didn't have any protections in place and then it costs money and also, on a flip phone, you could only store like 50 texts at a time if you were lucky. It was usually like 30 or something. So it would. So you'd go in and nuke them and then you get 50 more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it would just keep going on and on. And it was great because it would get queued up. And so you, it would be 15 minutes oh, of not having a message. Then it just keeps just going on for days yeah yeah it was so much fun and i did that to, i did that to a one girl and her mom calls me and she's just furious saying that i was gonna have to pay 140 dollars for the phone bill and i told her that her daughter was a liar and said that she had unlimited texting so i was going to prove it uh by uh texting her that much so if her daughter wasn't a liar then I, you know they wouldn't have this bill and uh, that was the end of it. Like the girl got in a lot of trouble, and uh, and I wasn't responsible for a dime. It was pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, that's that was a nice trip down uh, story lane. How about we uh, move into our show uh, with our first segment? Now it's time for the feed. Okay, so uh, as far as news goes. <clears throat> Uh, the most recent one that I found was uh, there's a company called uh, AMX and they supply communications kits for the White House, US military, uh, large corporations and things like that. Well, uh, researchers at SEC Consult um, did an analysis of the AMX NX1200 communications controller and found that the, de that the device had a quote, set up subtle user account function and uh, turns out that it does exactly what it says it sets up a hidden account with special abilities not even given to an administrator such as packet capture and sniffing <laughs> as well as access ah. to the network interface um, the account can be accessed via the, via the device's built-in web interface or via ssh using a hard-coded password oh no and uh, apparently it's a major issue because the U.S. president has been seen using AMX equipment to talk to his military advisors. 
<laughs> yep. Oh, that is, uh, that is incredible. So, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Wow. That's, yeah. Polygon, what do you think about that? Okay. So, no, no, no comment. Let's call Donald Trump. All right. Uh, we're not doing that. Um, but, uh, you see here, Polygon, we here at uh, Shadowcast do not endorse political affiliations one way or the other. Yes. Oh, I'm voting for Donald Trump. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, okay. let's let's go to a different uh, news item. Polygon, that you had something? Yeah, I did. Uh, but actually, I have a different story that's a bit more interesting. Not very interesting, but kind of interesting. Wow. So thanks for the. Uh, yeah, that's that's great news. Thank you for contributing. So, Mr. Chin, do you it's... have something? To... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Uh, <laughs> Apple has hey, re- hey, hey, shut up. My turn. <laughs> yeah, so uh, go for it, Mr. Chin. <laughs> so um, back probably 10 years ago, uh, the U uh, legislation got pushed through. Do not call lists. We're all familiar with it. Oh, um, awesome. Okay. So uh, Dish Network um, is currently facing fines, potentially totaling upwards of 24B with a billion dollars. Um, for completely ignoring said do not call lists. What's interesting about this is that um, Dish Network's market capitalization is only 22 million, 22 billion. So if they get levied with all of these fines, which they won't, but if they do, um, <clears throat> that's more than they're able to come up with. Uh, allegations say that, you know, over the past several years um dish and their contractors made 55 million calls that violated federal law by using recorded messages uh they're also accused of calling people who added their phone numbers to no call lists um and uh, this is going to trial um dish uh was shocked by the fine amounts they noted the fines were uh far larger than you know what has been seen on similar accounts and um you know, it's kind of cool to see people doing something about this. Honestly, Dish is going to get off. They probably won't pay more than, I don't know, a couple hundred million. And yeah. Benefit, but it will still be interesting to watch. I find it kind of hilarious that um, their market cap is less than what they could be asked to pay. Well, it's ex- <laughs> expensive to be annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, when you have... Um, all of these uh, individual calls are, are each being counted as a, an offense. So that's what makes the fine so ridiculous. It's kind of like, you know how the RAAA, when, when they go after someone, like you have 100 songs and they charge you for infringement for all of them? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what's happening to Dish Network, which is just like uh, insane, you know? But uh, so... What uh, what news do you have, Polygon? I guess we'll we'll go back to you and your news. Apple, the first generation iPod Nano, um, they are now replacing due to uh, some potential safety hazards. 
they've recalled and they're now replacing first gen iPod Nanos with a new seventh gen uh, iPod Nano for free. Wow! And and I and I think it's funny because the uh, serial number for the first gen iPod Nanos is A one three three seven. Oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, so you can get a free seventh gen iPod Nano for sending in your old first gen that it doesn't even have to work apparently. So. Oh wow. Well, see, you'd want to. I don't know. I would rather have the first gen honestly because, uh, like, I put iPod Linux on mine and it was awesome. Playing Doom on an iPod uh, on an iPod that that was pretty slick, especially back then. Like watching videos that were so tiny, it was like watching a stamp move, uh, <laughs> and and it would take your battery life away. But it was really uh, awesome to do that on a device that just came out. It's it's uh, if you can find an iPod Nano, don't turn it in for the seven. Just keep it and put Linux on it. It was really fun. But uh, Black Math, what, how about a, a little news from you again? Uh, okay, um, so you guys know who Brian Krebs is, right? I've never heard of this legendary infosec god. Yeah, so Brian Krebs is a uh, investigative reporter and blogger. Um, all things infosec. He does a lot of uh, exposés on cybercrime, cybercrime rings and organizations, credit card skimming and things like that. Well, <clears throat> apparently, uh, the guy who uh, tried to frame him in a heroin plot was arrested and pleads guilty to cybercrime charges, so he's going to jail. So for anybody not in uh, not in the know, uh, Brian Krebs steps on a lot of toes in yeah. the cybercrime world, and he pisses a lot of uh, cybercriminals off by exposing doxism. them. Yeah, doxism and... Yeah. So uh, somebody got mad enough to actually send a bunch of heroin to his doorstep and contacted the police so that he would get framed for heroin possession or trafficking. What a noob. Which he, yeah, which he didn't, you know. Yeah. Supreme Court has ruled that you cannot be uh, prosecuted for anything that's mailed to you. That's why, like, Silk Road isn't as risky as it may seem uh, or any of those online uh, drug marketplaces where they mail you drugs because of the fact that uh, you can just get the package and not open it and just keep it there. And if you got raided and they were like, ah, herder, where's your drugs? Ah, it's in this box. Well, it, you never opened it. So uh, as far as uh, you're concerned legally, uh, you're not responsible for that. So you could just sit on it for like a month and then open it up. And you're probably <laughs> okay at that point because I doubt they'd wait a, a month to raid you. Uh, so, uh, yeah, don't mail people drugs to frame them. That's stupid. Just keep them. And throw them in the trash. That was a little little tidbit in the uh, infosec world. Um, Got more stories if... uh... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Facebook adds built-in tour support for its Android app. Wow. I read this and I didn't really care because... uh, I mean, unless you're maybe an activist or have like... uh, a fake account or using a pseudonym or something like that. I mean, you're logging into Facebook as yourself and, uh, I don't know. You're pretty much giving Facebook all of your private information anyway. Well, yeah, it's definitely designed for 
areas in which got location tracking you know check in here check in there but i'm okay because i'm on tour well well yeah but think about it this way if you're in iran facebook's like a godsend even with all of that you're already screwed anyways if you can access facebook you can organize um i guess that's true yeah yeah so actually i i was surprised that uh they launched a dot onion website which i thought was kind of cool right yeah it's uh what is it it's like uh www.corefacebook or something. I forget what the URL is, but it's not that hard to remember. Um, but yeah, they, they they do this, and so and this is on the Android app. Uh, if you've ever had the Facebook app on a Android phone, you will know that it's a performance like hog. It takes up, it just soaks your battery up and uh, CPU. All, all, basically, all system resources are just drained by that application. So I can only imagine how worse it would be if you had used Tor on top of it. That would be just horrible. <laughs> Your um, network connection's slow. Yeah. yeah. You're trying to like upload a selfie and it takes you 15 minutes and then it, and then it times out. <laughs> <laughs> you got any other stories? Yeah, actually. Um, the 25 worst passwords of 2015. Ooh. has been released. And I'm guessing it's compiled from a bunch of uh, data dumps uh, created by Splash Data. And uh, they counted out the most common passwords out of over 2 million passwords leaked in the past year. Beautiful. So let's go over some of these. And if anyone listening has, is using one of these passwords... Yeah, uh, your security not, is not in a good state. You, yeah, you really not, need to be using a password manager. Yeah, Mr. Chin, yours, well, one of your, yours is on here. Is it now? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll be sure to change them. Okay, so <laughs> uh, number one. What do you think number one is? Password. No. Uh, rainbow. No. Shutterfly one. one. Here's a hint. Three, four, five, six. Yes, and uh, you can't cheat by looking it up, though. But yeah, number one is... I I did not look it up. God. Okay. Well, that's unchanged from 2014. The top password is 123456. Password, the word password is actually number two, which is unchanged from 2014. How? 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 Like, that's... Like, what site can you even use that for? I, I mean, come on. Like, I know, so it's, it's... Change your password to password on any site. It won't let you. I say it's maybe it's like 75% of the user's fault and 25% any website or service that got owned that allows people to do these things. Yeah, definitely. Number three is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Number four is QWERTY, Q-W-E-R-T-Y. Uh-huh. Number five is one, two, three, four, five. Number six is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And number seven, who can guess what number seven is? Um, I don't know what. Admin. Football. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking football. Wow. What an odd password to have. That's interesting. And then scattered throughout the list are, you know, various number, you know, versions of these numbers I've been reading off. So like one, two, three, four. One two three four five six seven. One two three four five six seven eight nine zero. We've got baseball. Welcome. ABC one two three. One 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 one. 
That's a lazy motherfucker. You know when they, you know how many times they get that password wrong when they type it in, because it's just ones, and they'll probably six just, ones. Yeah, they're just like, ah, oh, damn it, I put seven this time. Now number fifteen, um, has a special place in my heart because I've actually seen people who have discussed, you know, creating uh, secure passwords, think that this is acceptable. And it's keyboard patterns. So number 15 is 1-Q-A-Z-2-W-S-X. And if you look on your keyboard, yeah. it's just going down diagonally. Um, I see people talk about using keyboard patterns as a way to create complex passwords that you can remember. But don't do this because every fucking password cracker has keyboard pattern uh passwords built into their dictionaries now you can find word lists and then yes. they're all going to be in there like 1q2w3e whatever if you're using a keyboard pattern you're going to get fucked and not in a good way in the yep. mr chin kind of way so wise up people yeah princess right. is number 21 i <laughs> oh, see uh, you know the ashley madison passwords i thought were hysterical like the most common ones because those are just so like ridiculous um and just uh exactly what you would imagine them being you know uh just uh, completely like stupid and basic passwords but all sexual you know uh, oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh when i worked at the computer repair shop back in high school uh someone brought their their desktop in to have porn removed from it and their password was bondage <laughs> oh man they're sitting there telling a teenager this that's the best part about it oh god uh, looks like number 25 is i'm not sure what this spells but it's w-e-b-b-s-y-t-e-1 oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually no you know what i know why that is that's actually the default root password for hardened bsd that's why it's so common oh god uh so people use a just use a password manager and have it create random gigantic long passwords so you don't have to remember anything except your master password and and Mr. Chin's master password is uh is a very long one. How many characters is it? Uh upwards of thirty. Yeah, it's pretty funny watching him type it in. Uh someday I'm just gonna like stick some shit under one of his keys so he just doesn't know how to get it to anything. Like a little sliver of paper folded up like yeah. a shim so it never makes contact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because then he can't get into any anything at that point. He can't, he can't, he can't unlock his uh, encryption. That's going to be fun. Habits, uh, maybe you could like, uh, reprogram the keyboard so that anything you type in, it adds the letter G to the end. <laughs> that would be great. Or switch from... Uh, Keyworded to Dvorak. Right, yeah. I wonder if... You know, I've never ever thought of this situation uh, before, but uh, there's got to be a way to do that with the bootloader. And pretty easily, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, man. 
You can do key mapping too, right? So you can remap, you know, a certain letter to something else. Well, I'm talking about like to to decrypt the actual FDE. I mean, that would be hysterical if you could oh. just ne- if you just thought you lost it all. <laughs> it's just all gone. <laughs> oh god. All right, so uh, let's move into uh, a little segment that Zandy of, again is is not here to do. Um, you try and call him again. Uh, yeah, let's do this real quick. Let's let's call him and see if he will, uh, you know, be a do, be, do be this do the segment live. Yeah, maybe tonight he's the Florida man, Michigan man. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, let's. As long as he's not drinking mud water. Yeah. It's one o'clock in the morning in Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) He's been asleep for hours. You have reached. All right. Well, I hope he's having sexual relations. Oh, God. He's, He's been asleep for hours. He's just lying on that pillow thinking about. That girl's dirty pillows. That's all he's getting to. <laughs> dirty pillows? Yeah. 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 And so, uh, since he's not here to uh, cover this segment, uh, we're, we're going to have to uh, take it up for him again. So, uh, this is our segment, Straight Out of Florida. <laughs> So it's 9:12 p.m. and a uh, Indian River County Sheriff's deputy driving around sees a dude bicycling without a headlight on, and uh, all of a sudden the dude just gets off the bike and starts walking. So the deputy stops this guy named Robert Thomas as he started to walk as if he was going to run away from him. Uh, that's when, uh, Thomas was, uh, commanded to sit on the ground. And then, uh, Rob, he, he did something a little sketchy. He threw something. And the deputy described it as, it's what sounded like a metallic object sliding across asphalt. Uh, and so later police found a loaded pistol magazine, uh, about 10 feet away. So, uh, in his right shorts pocket... That's when the police found three crack cocaine rocks, $40, and a condom. And uh, Thomas was not some kind of criminal like you may think. Uh, he, he immediately tried to clarify the situation and declared that the shorts that he was wearing were, were not his. And uh, so uh, the cop asked him how long he had been wearing the shorts. And he couldn't provide any kind of information in the time frame as how long he had been wearing them. But Thomas did admit that the condom uh, and the cash were his. But the, <laughs> <laughs> but the crack he had nothing to do with. <laughs> so... Wait, where did this happen? This happened what? in... in uh, in Florida, I don't know where in Florida exactly. Just uh, oh, Vero Beach, Florida. 
That's where I. That's where I used to live. Uh, Vero. Vero Beach. Yeah. Well, were you of uh, friends with Robert Thomas? No. Seems like the kind of guy you'd hang out with. Isn't he a singer? Uh, no. This <laughs> is this is Robert Lee Thomas Jr. So he, that was his dad. Uh, it, Robert Thomas is forty six. So. Uh, you know, that's kind of old for you to be wearing another dude's shorts. I'm just saying, like, you might want to, you know, invest in your own shorts, people, so that this doesn't happen to you. Just another another victim to the private, uh, the private jail system that we have. Poor guy. But, yeah. Persecuted. Yeah, yeah, poor guy. Uh, so, that's, that's pretty much... It's for our news and Florida, uh, Florida news segments. Why don't we move into our main topic of the night, your mom. Come one, come all. Engaging your mom in three, two, one. Activate. Hello. Hello is a word that we use to answer the phone. And... Where did, where did we ever hear the word hello before phones existed? It's actually a greeting that was developed specifically for uh, telephones. Originally, it was uh, attempted to be ahoy, but hello uh, ended up being what stuck. And uh, that enthralling story is just the beginning of what were our, our main topic tonight is, and that is uh, the first part of our multi-part series on phone freaking. So, uh, what's phone freaking? Well, Mr. Chin's a real big expert on phone freaking, and uh, me saying that, you probably have a lot of assumptions about the the sexual nature that that might, uh, you know, suggest. But Mr. Chin can clarify, right, that it's not sexual at all. It is not sexual in nature at all. The only exception there, of course, is when he is speaking to a uh, freak known as Strom Carlson, in which it is very sexual at that point. <laughs> that is that is actually quite false. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, um, how did freaking start? Uh, well, it got its start actually pretty early on in the phone system. Uh, it, it wasn't around for too long before people started tweaking things and actually you could kind of say the first freaking devices in a sense uh, were unauthorized telephones that were on the AT&T network but phone freaking as what we call it uh, started really started picking up in the late 50s and the 60s into the 70s uh, and then carried into the 80s and pretty much died uh, in the analog form in the late 90s and early 2000s so it had a good run it's still alive but uh, what we're going to be covering is the uh, history of phone freaking and its origins uh, so one thing that uh, really kicked off the whole phone freaking thing was uh, basically taking your phone and uh, clicking on the hook uh, multiple times to where you could manually rotary dial and uh, that's something that did any of y'all ever play with that I know I did that like yeah, switch hooking yeah like yeah. It, it still w- works oh yeah it does yeah uh, so what that is is uh, 
a rotary dial is just it's called uh, pulse tone, and that's just sending a pulse of you being on hook, off hook, on hook, off hook. And a uh, series of pulses is what each digit registers on the uh, phone system. So when you're doing the switch hook, you're just just tapping really quickly, and you're able to uh, mimic that functionality. The problem is, is that it's not easy to be <laughs> accurate all the time when you're doing that. And I've made a lot of uh, calls that were incorrect when I would do that. Uh, now, now, Polygon, didn't you do a lot of, uh, you, you know, did you ever do any of the switch hook uh, fun stuffs? Uh, I don't think so. Like, what do you mean? Well, like, okay, you know, the switch hook, when you take, like, when you flip... The oh, yeah, like, like, pulse dialing. Yeah, yeah, manually. Yeah. Yeah, and see, that was really one of the first techniques there for uh, phone freaking, because uh, you would have phones that were uh, locked up, uh, or, you know, uh, like the rotary dial or the keypad uh, would kind of be locked up. If you've watched the movie Hackers, uh, in the gel scene, uh, you will see... Uh, a phone call being made in which the uh, phone is locked up, but pulse dialing is used instead, using the switch hook technique. Um, another example of uh, using the same technique, but with a uh, touch tone uh, system, the TTY system, uh, is using a tone dialer, which is a device that was actually made for uh, being able to use touch tone services on a rotary phone, but it ended up having a couple of uses for freaking and one of them was uh, being able to use a phone that was locked up and otherwise restricted uh, so that moves us into our first box and Mr. Chin do you want to tell us a little bit about the blue box and 2600 hertz Mr. Chin um, I'm currently experiencing a minor technical issue can you guys come back around in about 30 seconds I think he's winking it. I was not. Apologies. Um, <laughs> so the the first box that was uh, really seen here in the in the freaking world was the blue box. Um, for uh, a little bit of background, um, back in those days, the telephone system was controlled by a series of tones that were eventually determined um, that you could generate those either by whistling or through the uh, Captain Crunch whistle, or the whistle uh, included in Captain Crunch boxes. Um, and what that did is it uh, released one end of a telephone trunk, uh, effectively putting it into operator mode. And at that point, you could, you know, you had access to a, a phone trunk and you could do whatever you wanted. Um, this was uh, originally built by. Not originally, but uh, one of the... Oh, fuck. It was... Uh, Help. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, when it really got popular was uh, with the Esquire magazine uh, article uh, called The Secrets of the Little Blue Box. And uh, what that ended up uh, doing is exposing a lot of people to the existence of this vulnerability in the phone system. And uh, also... Uh, 
with the ability to be able to make your own. So uh, that's where it, it got really popular by a lot of, uh, it got a lot of exposure there. And there were also some, uh, I want to say it was MIT or Harvard students that got busted for figuring out how to operate a blue box because they were able to find in the physics department in the library a uh, Bell Labs uh, like book or something that uh, actually gave the entire weight, like the 2600 hertz tone and how, how that entire function worked and how the switches worked and how to get into operator mode. And so they were able to make a blue box there but Esquire was really uh, popularized the idea in 1971 and got the interest of okay I guess he's not going to continue uh, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs now uh, Steve Wozniak uh, and Steve Jobs would hang out with a man known as John Draper and he was uh, who really introduced them to phone freaking. And they would do all kinds of crazy uh, calls all around the world and pranks together, uh, claiming to actually have prank called the Pope. So quite an accomplishment for a bunch of hippies uh, high off their asses in the 70s. Uh, so Steve, <laughs> Steve Wozniak actually changed the game because he created a digital blue box. Uh, so that the tones were solid and could be uh, used on phone systems a whole lot better than uh, the previous designs. And him and Steve got together with uh, Steve Wozniak's design jobs and him uh, built these devices and sold them around Berkeley for a period of time before a running with the law that kind of scared him off from the whole concept of selling blue boxes and with the money that they got from that and uh, realizing the potential of something that could connect people, ordinary people with technology they essentially started the computer revolution when they created Apple computers afterwards so uh, this is actually Steve Jobs talking about the blue box himself. One of the things that Waz and I did was we built blue boxes. Uh, these are obsolete now, but uh, they were devices that you could build. You know, when you make a long-distance phone call in the background, you Those are the telephone computers actually signaling each other, sending information to each other to set up your call. And the signaling they use is a lot like touch-tone phones, only it's different frequencies. Well, you can make a box that emits those frequencies, that can make those tones. And there's a way to, there used to be a way to fool the entire telephone system into thinking you were a telephone computer and to open up itself and let you call anywhere in the world for free. And matter of fact, you could go to, you could, you know, call from a, a pay phone, uh, go to White Plains, New York, take a satellite to Europe, take a cable to Turkey, uh, come back to Los Angeles, uh, and you go around the world three or four times and call the pay phone next door. And, shout in the phone be about 30 seconds and come out the other end of the, the other phone so we actually and these were illegal I, I have to add uh, but in spite of that we were so fascinated by them that Waz and I actually figured out how to build one we built the best one in the world it was the first digital blue box in the world and uh, we would uh, give them to our friends and use them ourselves and 
you know, you, you rapidly run out of people you want to call. But it was the it was the magic of the fact that two teenagers could build this box for a hundred dollars worth of parts and control hundreds of billions of dollars of infrastructure in the entire telephone network in the whole world. From Los Altos and Cupertino, California. That was magical. And experiences like that taught us the power of ideas, the power of understanding that if you could build this box, you can control hundreds of millions of dollars worth of telephone infrastructure around the world. That's a powerful thing. And, and that, if we hadn't have made blue boxes, we, there would have been no app. So yeah, that's uh, so right there. You have uh, this dude basically saying, "Hey, uh, the largest corporation in the world today would not have existed if it weren't for uh, two people hacking the phone network." Uh, so that's a pretty great statement there. Um, but Polygon, don't you have a Captain Crunch whistle like the original twenty six hundred hertz whistle? <clears throat> I do. Go Will you buy. go get it? I don't know where it's at right now. It's dark in my house, and it's in a box where we're packing to move. You wanted to be on a show about freaking, <laughs> and you have, like, one of the most exclusive relics of freaking history. <laughs> in a box. In a, in a, in a box? In a bo oh, I'm so scared. That's such a rare thing. <laughs> I swear to God, if the plastic's cracked, I'm going to drive to Tennessee and kill you. Oh man, well, anyways, uh, Black Math, why don't you play the 2600 hertz tone since you've already done it four times? All right, here's a sample of the 2600 hertz tone. Uh, it's a sine wave uh, sample. Here you go. All right, cut it out. Yeah. Well, no, well, this yeah, is it's a long, yeah. sample you can find on YouTube. It's a 10-hour uh, 2600. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, it's 30 seconds long if you want it. Well, there but, we go. Uh, yeah, that was the uh, that was the frequency that uh, that changed the world. All. Yeah, literally changed the world. Uh, so when uh, oh man, there's just so many things there uh, to to talk about on the on the blue box itself. But we've got to move on um i guess the next uh thing that we could uh talk about is more of the the boxes we'll just go through the boxes real quick uh before we move into other things so the blue box was really awesome and allowed you to uh make free calls around the world and you know, hop from trunk to trunk and uh just really explore the the phone system in a way they would never imagine happening um so move on a little bit further into uh the future and we get to a place where uh we have uh pay phones uh that are now able to be exploited so uh, a little bit about how this uh happened was that uh pay phones uh back in the day you would have to actually uh call an operator if you wanted to make a long distance phone call uh, and to talk manually to this person and all of it was uh, very much a pain in the ass so in 1969 uh, uh, AT&T 
uh, created uh, the Traffic Service Position System, or TSPS, and that was an automated operator system. So uh, what was really cool is that instead of like dialing 1202456114 from a payphone, you would instead dial 0256 uh, 2542110 whatever you get the idea you would do one instead of the the uh, I'm sorry you would use zero instead of the one and it would uh, give you an operator assisted call so it wasn't perfect because the operator still had to be involved but the they could just dial the number and the operator wouldn't have to do it it helped streamline the process a lot uh, but Obviously, that's not a perfect solution, so uh, AT&T moved away from that uh, in the late 70s and moved to the ACTS, or Automated Coin Toll System. And this is when things got interesting, because it still used uh, TSPS, but uh, with the ACTS system, uh, you would be able to uh, basically make the entire... Uh, phone call be automated like we know it today and how this worked was when pay phones were making long-distance calls uh, what would happen is if you put in a coin uh, tone would be sent down to the line to the switch and if the switch uh, heard that uh, frequency uh, it would know that you put in that amount of money and would then let you make the phone call so, for example, all of these, all of these actually use uh, 1700 hertz uh, and 2200 hertz uh, tones combined together. And this is an example of what a nickel uh, would sound like. So we'll start off with the 1700 hertz tone, and then we add in the uh, 2200 hertz tone, and then we combine them. And so this is at 60 milliseconds long. A dime is this exact same sound with just 60 milliseconds on, 60 milliseconds off, and then 60 milliseconds on again. And a quarter signal is the same tone again, but only at 33 millisecond intervals that are repeated five times with on and off. And so here's a nickel and a dime and a quarter. Alright, so with this uh, knowledge, you could actually take one of those tone dialers that we talked about earlier and put in a different chip into it, and you would be able to generate these tones with uh, different crystals uh, put in the tone dialer. And the red box was used at that point to be able to make free phone calls on payphones. Unfortunately, that didn't last forever uh, because uh, they... Uh, well, I, I guess we're tired of people stealing uh, phone calls, uh, but the major change in the payphone game uh, came with uh, the breakup of Ma Bell in 1984. Because at that point, you could have what's known as Cocotes, our customer-owned coin telephones. And these were phones that did all of the... Uh, all of the the uh, math and and uh, you know letting you have long distance access and all of the, all of that was done on the phone itself. It wasn't being sent down the line. There were circuits that handled all of that within the payphone. And if you were on a Coco, you could not red box. So 
as cocoats emerged all over the place because the incentive there for a business owner who has a payphone, um, they would be more inclined to own their own payphone or have a third party bring in a payphone versus having the phone company because they would get higher margins that way. The phone company would commonly take a, a, a huge amount of the profits and not give it to the business owner. So you would see those disappear and usually just find the old school phones um, in more public places and other places that didn't have cocoats set up for whatever reason. Um, by the early 2000s, you, you basically could not find any. I, I was only able to Redbox from one phone ever and... Uh, that was pretty fun, but unfortunately that went out the door, but there was a mitigation strategy that they tried to put into place for keeping you from uh, making Redbox calls, uh, even though, uh, you know, they still had this archaic system in place, they would do acoustic filtering on the microphone of the payphone to prohibit you from being able to blast the, uh, the red tones. Uh, sometimes you wouldn't be able to even use the mic until money uh, was put in or call was originated. Uh, so one thing that you could do is use a clear box, which created an inductive microphone, so that you just put it on the phone line itself and blast the red tone so that you could make it think that you put money in. So there was all kinds of fun stuff that you could do with payphones and uh, that are no longer there with with uh, the death of uh, like uh, normal old school payphones, um, what's a what's another box that was really fun? Well, the beige box is obviously a uh, a favorite. Beige box, gold box. Yes, yes. The uh, <coughs> Disney box. The what? The Disney box. The busy box. Oh, the busy your, box. Yeah. Your mom's box. <laughs> uh, the beige box. That's basically a Lyman's uh, handset uh, that you make yourself. Now, the original design was really stupid because it called for you destroying a phone, and which you take a a phone cable and uh, basically this is this this is it in a gist. You take two alligator clips. You can take a phone cable. You splice it in half, you'll see at least two cables in it, sometimes four. You'll take the red and the green cables, you put an alligator clip on the end of both of them, you go outside to the telephone network interface outside of your home or business, open it up with a standard tool, and you'll see terminals. All of the cables that are going to the red one, you put the red, uh, you put the red uh, cable in that alligator clip on that terminal. You'll see black or green cables coming to the other one, and that's where you put your green one. Uh, you plug it into a phone, and now you are tapping into that phone line. Uh, so that's what a beige box would do, and uh, that's one box that I was actually able to have a lot of experience using. Uh, a fun story with that was beige boxing after 9-11, uh, I lost my notepad that had all my phone freaking numbers and I had my full name in it because I was an idiot and I was a kid and uh, th there were some terrorists that lived in our apartment complex that were a part of the 9-11 terrorist attacks so someone saw my my notebook with all these international numbers weird weird numbers <laughs> and codes and the number to the Pentagon and White House and the White House situation room they uh 
they they called the police immediately and the police showed up at my <laughs> parents apartment and it was not fun so um beige box a lot of fun a lot of fun uh what else uh the the gold box i forgot what what did the gold box do i forgot what that did um that connected two lines together i think so oh, like yeah um it would give you the dial tone of the second line and you can make calls and all the billing and tracing would go to that line right yeah that's right um, almost like uh you know it's like the tour of telephones <laughs> yeah there you go um there was the green box that uh with an mf tone you could uh theoretically use it uh to uh send coin collect coin return and ream back uh tones but you would have to be on the trunk side for this and uh you could theoretically use that with the combination of a blue box to get free phone calls on a payphone but it's really something that i don't know if anyone actually used that much probably so um i don't know i i i i find it really hard to think that that was uh used that often because of the complexity uh, the complexity of uh, of everything that you would need for it um uh let's see there was yeah the uh, black box yeah what what was that it was like the uh uh so like in the really old uh, like mechanical switching systems um they would trigger billing based on the right. and volt voltage yeah. so it was like a resistor it. that yeah. would uh, change your off hook voltage just enough so that it it wouldn't bill right yeah so free calls uh free calls to the person calling you so people could call you for free yeah and what was the other one uh oh yeah the busy box that's when you just uh you you basically have your phone off the hook uh and i had to use that after my docs were dropped we were getting phone calls all night long for months uh so what was another significant box i mean there's a shit ton of boxes but most of them were just stupid like just some teenager made a box just like you know pink box you know, just some color box. <laughs> Pink box. Yeah. <laughs> I was seriously, like, there's so many different boxes on textfalls.com. If you want to go look at all the different boxes that are out there, it's stupid. I remember uh, there was a uh, assassin block, uh, a box where you would, uh, like, if someone dialed the number, it would just electrocute them. But that's really... <laughs> <laughs> Not so much phone freaking at all. That's uh, just, uh, yeah. Yeah, I used to, I used to actually power uh, devices using uh, the phone line. It's like what, forty-seven volts, forty-six volts coming in. Yeah, forty, forty-six, I think. And then it go. What when, when it? What, 40, is it, what does it negative, go to? Negative forty-eight off hook. Yeah, what does it go up to when you're when you get a a ring coming Wait. in? Negative 48 on hook, negative 10 off hook. Ah. Well. Like, that's the drop in line voltage. Yeah. Uh, I powered, like, little motors and shit with them. Uh, nothing crazy. Just something that you would power with, like, a, a AA battery. Uh, something like that. Something that was battery-operated, you could use your phone to charge. I remember, I think I saw an article 
on like Hackaday years ago where someone made an iPhone charger using a phone line, <laughs> which is a horrible idea. Because <laughs> if you get a phone call, you just fried your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, I got I got shocked once when a phone call came in. It wasn't bad. It was just enough to like go like oh shit. Uh, it was kind of scary because uh, you just weren't expecting a little jolt all of a sudden. It wasn't bad. It was kind of like an electric fence for a dog or something. It wasn't bad at all. Um, but yeah, those are the boxes. So boxes were basically freaking devices if you hadn't got that yet, and. Uh, they're, they were usually spread on bulletin board systems and Usenet groups and then eventually the interwebs. Um, but that's not all that Freaking had to, had to offer. One thing that was common, and still common if you're a phone freak, is uh, phone jamming or, or phone scanning. And that's when you uh, basically just start dialing random numbers and recording what it is you find when you call those numbers. Um, you can find interesting things in scans uh, like test lines or uh, conference lines, various recordings and... C CIA number stations. Yes, yes, yeah. You can find uh, news and weather things, funny people that you'd want to call back again. Um... Yeah, just all kinds of cool stuff. So, people used to uh, do scans and release them online and keep them updated, but that hasn't happened in years. Uh, no, but you, you can actually find like people's documented old uh, right scans, uh, like on textfiles.com, and uh, some of the numbers still still work and go to what they were, but you know numbers switch around all the time, so a lot of them are are not what they used to be. Yeah, exactly. And so, so when, when scanning uh, is a thing, uh, you know, it's a manual process that you're having to go through and do. Um, what changed uh, that whole process with scanning was when we could use modems to automate the process. And programs like ToneLock would allow you to do what's known as war dialing, named after the, game, uh, the, 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 the movie War Games. In which uh, the the little boy that sounds Matthew weird. Matthew Broderick. Yeah, <laughs> the little boy. Matthew, the little Matthew Broderick uh, uh, uses a uh, a piece of software to do that exact thing. He finds a, an interesting terminal and calls it up and almost starts World War Three. Uh, so after that movie, uh, that the software was then called War Dialing. Uh, even though it existed beforehand. Uh, so if you would actually like to know more about uh, like a really good in-depth history of uh, phone freaking from an old cat who lived through it all uh, and actually made a war dialer before uh, it was a, th a, a real thing that other people were doing, uh, check out Evan dash doorbell.com slash production and listen to his phone trip series uh those are really awesome because they'll be technical uh but also very interesting and, and entertaining you get to hear the phone system like it was back in the day because he recorded hours upon hours of audio 
uh, in the 70s and 80s, and he narrates over all, the entire story of his exploration of the phone system. So it's definitely worth checking out. I've uh, never been to that site, and I just pulled it up, and holy shit. Yeah, and dude, we're talking like audible quality. Uh, like, yeah, you would you would think that you're listening to an audiobook, and it's completely free. So go check that out uh, and listen to how he created uh, a word dialer on an Apple II because it is extremely impressive. Like, uh, he was doing stuff like 10 years before it was commonplace in modem technology uh, that he just hacked together just so that he could scan better. Um, but uh, one, one thing with phone scanning is that you get to reap the benefits of finding something cool. And so uh, right next to me, I have this binder from when I was in middle school and in high school. And I would do scans uh, in the city that I lived in. And uh, I actually have a couple of numbers here. Um, one I, I, I know doesn't, does not work anymore, but uh, this one in, partic in particular we're going to call up right now and I'm going to ex uh, explain it to you. Um, this is called a DATU uh, system, uh, or a DATU I should say. And that's a direct access testing unit. And these are uh, devices that are located at your local uh, CO. And uh, it's connected to a no test trunk. And so what this is designed to do is allow uh, your uh, telco uh, field technicians and the linesmen uh, to, to call up and test the trunk and perform tests on the actual line itself. So... Uh, it, it helps them with their their headset, uh, their 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 lineman's headset, to be able to do really cool tests there. And uh, we're gonna call this up right now, so that you can uh, kind of see what it would be like if you were to call one of these things up. And while I'm dialing this, I want to give a shout out to Decoder, who uh, was indicted. Uh, and I, I don't know, he was facing like all these charges because he uh, called these up and with Verizon uh, back in 2004, there's over a hundred times he had called their uh, daddy lines up and uh, yeah, he, 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 uh, he had a visit from the feds over that one. So this one's for you, Decoder. Number identification, error. Okay. Dial 5 to select keypad test. Dial 6 to select number identification. Dial 7 to select ringback test. Dial 8 to select transmission measurement test. Alright, so uh, 6 uh, was automatic uh, number identification, which will not work. Dial 5 <laughs> to select so, keypad we'll do test. this. Keypad test. So this is keypad test. So I'm going to press one. Dial five to select. Oh my god. Keypad, keypad test. Well, looks like these DTMF tones don't really work well. Keypad test. <laughs> uh. One two. Dial five to select keypad. Dial seven digit 
subscriber line number. So this is going to do a ring back. Please hang up for test ring. All right, so that's so that they can test if a uh, if a phone's working. So uh, I just put in a, a number uh, that's based in the same MPA as that uh, as that ADU uh, system. So it should be ringing. Here we go. <laughs> and if we answer, it uh, doesn't do anything. It's just <laughs> complete silence. But uh, you could do that. It was really fun to just put in random people's numbers at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they would just get, keep getting called. And then imagine calling back, and, and you hear that message. Like, it's just got to be very confusing and bizarre to people. Um, so that's, that's one thing there. Uh, another thing uh, that you could find... Uh, were automatic number identification systems. So that one had one built in, but it wouldn't work because I was calling via VoIP. Um, and uh, it, it's kind of shoddy, especially if you're outside of the area code of of the, the device itself. So uh, what I'm gonna show you now is automatic number identification. And what this does is it reads your caller ID information. And this is handy if you were on a payphone and you were trying to get the number for the payphone if they didn't have it written on the payphone because all payphones have to call 1-800 numbers completely toll free it's a federal requirement uh, another use of this is if you're beige boxing and you're tapping into a phone line for you to be able to figure out what phone number it is that you're on to write down and then be able to look up later to figure out which line you were actually tapping uh, so this one is my favorite ANI because it's so easy to remember. It's 1-800-444-4444. Thank you for calling MCI. Our system indicates you are calling from 661-380-4001. If this is the number you are calling about, press 1. If not, please listen to the following two. All right, so that's it. It gives you your phone number and... Uh, you, you've got it toll free. That's like the easiest ANI to remember. It's just all fours. 1-800-444-4444. Um, and another thing that you can actually find are, uh, our <laughs> conference lines. And that's another subculture of phone freaking right there is the conference scene. And so this is an example of a conference line that is operating on a GTE built uh, GTD-5 EAX uh, switch. So we're going to be calling into this right now, and it's operated by a uh, uh, one of the larger uh, telcos out there. That's not AT&T. It is a Baby Bell though, and this is for their own internal use, uh, and it's a T1 line. Uh, so there's plenty of uh, numbers there for people to call in on. Where'd, where'd Polygon and Mr. Chin go? Polygon's here, and he's just being quiet. I'm here listening to all of the interesting stories that Skinion has to tell. What about Mr. Chin? He's he gone. Left. He left? Yeah. Dude, it's, it's past his bedtime. He didn't say anything, though. 
Yeah, I know, but if you if you would have seen his webcam, he just kept falling asleep. And oh <laughs> man, I wish I I wish I had it up on my computer then. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> you could just see him dozing off, and I was hoping that he would just pass out, and we could just not tell him anything, like just hang up, and so that he would just sleep in his chair alone. Uh, but here we go. I'm gonna call into the uh, the conference. The conference. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, I'm called into. Oh gosh, I can't listen to myself on the headphones because it's got a delay in that. It's horrible. But yeah, I'm called into a conference. Uh, thank you, Frontier Communications, for your conference line. So yeah, uh, that's uh, a- providing a valuable service to the community. Yeah, no bothers or anything. You just get on and you're good to go. Um. So yeah, that's that's a couple of, of things that can uh, you can see when you're uh, uh, doing scans, um, and you can access all kinds of different systems uh, when you do that as well. So one, a couple, two more numbers I want to call, and then we'll move on here. Uh, I think this is kind of uh, interesting. We're going to be calling two different test lines. One is on a digital switch, and one is on an analog. So let's see if there's any differences here. I haven't called these particular lines up yet. So we're doing it uh, hacknip radio style tonight. Oh, shit. All right, that that blew our eardrums away. Uh, <laughs> uh, Phone freaking is dangerous. <laughs> yes. All right, we'll try one more, and if it sounds the same, then... Uh, I wonder if that's what it sounds like when you get feedback in a hearing aid. I don't know. If only Mr. Chen were here to give us insight. Ah, beautiful. <laughs> Oh, that's god awful, man! Wow. All right, well, see, that's the fun of phone freaking. <laughs> 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 you get to deal with that. Um, so yeah, that's that's what you can do with scanning. You can also find up mod- modems. So uh, you know, if you uh, didn't, you have a payphone for us, uh, Polygon, like a, a current one. Uh, I did not. Oh, okay. Well, no, that wasn't me. Okay, well, if you uh, if you are looking for uh, payphones, you can probably find them. If you live in a city, definitely near your public transportation system. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. If you if you are able to get a hold of a payphone, uh, it may ring uh, a couple of times to give you a chance to talk to some random person standing by the phone. Or, uh, more than likely, it's going to ring once or twice, if that, and go to a modem. And this modem is used by the uh, phone operator, uh, usually a cocoat, to be able to log into the device and be able to uh, administer the phone and program it. 
so you can see where your uh, your money is, how much uh, how much you know coinage is in the uh, payphone, um, what the call logs, and start seeing statistics on uh, what's going on with your payphone. You can also do really cool things like reprogram uh, the prices of certain phone calls. You can have certain phone numbers be completely free. So uh, getting into uh, the payphones via a modem is a really lucrative idea. So if you uh, want to check into it, you can uh, look at a couple of software programs uh, that are kind of hard to track down in, in some ways. Um, one is called ExpressNet. And that's a very uh, a popular uh, piece of software that you would want to be able to get on uh, on the most popular type of uh, payphone, which is a Protel uh, 7000. Uh, those are a very sleek and awesome payphone uh, that you'll find out there. So um, another um, program that you would need is uh, PNM Plus. 2.2.0 and that's a little that's like a bitch and a half to install because it needs three and a half floppies and runs on like windows 98 uh so it's time to get a vm set up for that and then you have to track down a serial number or crack the software um there's a expressnet is basically protel's expressnet is going to be what you would want more than anything but you can also use good old hyper terminal as well um, using these programs and getting in to uh, program the payphones can be really uh, fun and uh, I can tell you that the interfaces on these and actually getting into a phone, um, the, the options are just crazy what you can do. Uh, you, can even, you can even do, uh, do it to where you can enable 900 number calls to be free so the payphone operator has to pay extreme amounts for uh, 900 calls um, and let's see what's another thing with the payphones uh, in the modem oh well one thing is Protel uh, the manufacturer of the Protel 7000 payphone actually uses the very same system for uh, coin operated uh, car washes so uh, if you do some scans, you might find what appears to be a Protel uh, telephone, but if you connect to it directly via hyper terminal, uh, you'll get a string of characters back. And from that, you can actually determine the model number of the Protel device and see whether it's a car wash or if it's a, a payphone or some other device. With a car wash, you can actually program it to where you can get free car washes. So. Uh, there, there's all kinds of fun stuff that you can still use uh, with, uh, with those modem programs. And another thing uh, that you can actually still do, and that's why I wish Wirefall were here, uh, is that uh, using word dialers and detecting modems, you can actually find some companies that still use dial-up VPNs. So... That might be unbelievable, but as late as uh, 2014, Wirefall actually found one in a pen test and was able to get access with basic credentials into a remote terminal session. <laughs> it worked towards getting domain admin from there. So, uh, yeah, there's still uh, practical uses for scanning and war dialing out there 
because there's a lot of fun that can be had with just this uh, basic exploration of the phone system. Um, another thing that is common that we actually have used on the show uh, is caller ID spoofing. And how that works is uh, in between the first ring and the second ring on uh, a call when it's placed. Uh, I mean, and this is probably going to be wrong because I'm going off of memory here. But uh, a, a stream of data is actually sent over. I believe it's 1200 baud uh, data stream is sent through the line. And I want to say that it's like eight bits of information uh, that's sent initially. Uh, but what is sent is your, your caller ID. And with phone systems, uh, you can, the idea there to be able to manipulate uh, your caller ID is so that for phone systems, you can have your main number uh, be what is uh, showed up as the caller ID even if you have multiple numbers or trunks coming into your system. So when you have your direct inward dial number be uh, 202-456-1414, you might have 1415, 1416, 1417, 1418, etc., etc., as multiple lines in your organization. But your main number coming in in the round robin is uh, 1414. So you color ID spoof all the other numbers on outbound calls to be that color ID so that someone returns the call, that's the appropriate color ID that's showing up. Now, of course, with this, it's been abused heavily. You can download an app or buy a calling card and be able to color ID spoof uh, with relative ease. Or you can have a SIP trunk like we do and have a, uh, a SIP-based PBX that allows you to manipulate that on the fly. Uh, color ID spoofing uh, is really a lot of fun, but it's extremely uh, valuable when hacking into voicemail systems not so much anymore but it had uh its heyday about what 10 uh, eight, 8 to 10 years ago uh if you called a number and caller id spoofed that number's number especially if it was a wireless number you would be able to just get into their fo uh, voicemail system a lot of the time if they didn't have a passcode set or if they had a default of like 1111 uh, I and that was actually how uh, a uh, freak was able to gain access into Paris Hilton's T-Mobile account and leaked all of her contact list, which no one at all in, in this podcast was involved in keeping that phone list up whenever all the other sites took it down, uh, just for the record. But what was really funny when those uh, phone, uh, her phone list gets leaked, it's got all these celebrities on there. And one name in particular was a little interesting. It was Lucky225, who was a well-known phone freak. Uh, come to find out, he had tried warning her earlier about this vulnerability. She saved his number and never called him back, and then her cell phone got hacked. Uh, he later called her two years uh, after all of that and had a long conversation with her that you can find if you're clever enough on the internet. Uh, stop moving your shit around, Polygon. Damn, it's loud as hell. <laughs> there we go. It's like he's drawing on a chalkboard or some shit. He's filling in for Mr. Chin. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, uh, anyways, uh, 
that style of uh, color ID spoofing a, a person's number and getting into their vo voicemail, that all kind of cut out uh, around, what, 2007 and 8, uh, maybe 2009 at the latest. It was pretty much dead. Uh, but there are still some systems that if you uh, use the same color ID uh, as who you're calling, you can find some interesting menus, some older uh, business uh, uh, phone systems will allow you to access uh, the internal voicemail system and other things like that. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of use that can be had with caller ID spoofing outside of just uh, messing with someone or, uh, pr you know, protecting your identity there. Uh, hey, so, Whiskey. Yeah. We should, uh, Caller ID spoof the Donald Trump campaign line. I <laughs> know uh, we're not going to do that because uh, <laughs> that's a ridiculously dumb idea. It is uh, like 2 o'clock Eastern Time. No one's going to answer. There's nothing we'll get out of it. But. I challenge you, Polygon, to be the freak that we know you are and go and get your Raspberry Pi and set up an Asterix PBX and join all of us in the Color ID spoofing revolution. Uh, so, uh, you mentioned Hyper Terminal. Yeah, yeah. And I had like a little flash of nostalgia and I'm like, man, whatever happened to Hyper Terminal? Like, when did they stop bundling it in Windows or XP? Do they. Do they still bundle it? And, nope. No. Yeah, you're right. They don't. Um, you can still run it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. There are a lot of sites that advertise you can download the uh, Hyper Terminal, but uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. All you need is to go but, into a Windows XP installation and take uh, HyperTerminal.exe and HyperTerminal.dll. Yeah, and and move it on over. It'll work in Windows 10 even. Well, um, so I have a Windows. 8.1 machine in front of me and if you uh, do a search for and I guess in Windows 7 this works as well if you go into control panel but from Windows 8 you can just you know search from the start screen and search for phone and modem and it brings up uh, the old Windows uh, yeah phone and phone and yeah. modem uh, configuration stuff yeah and that plus uh, you can get like a USB fax modem for mm -hmm. 10 to 20 bucks on Amazon and go have some fun with phone lines yeah, yeah, that's exactly uh, what, what I have. Uh, it's a, it, yeah, it's like a $20 USB modem uh, that I got off of Amazon that supports Linux. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it, you can you can use HyperTerminal still. Uh, and, and what's funny is when you open up HyperTerminal in Windows 7 or 8 or 10, uh, it will give you that phone and dialer prompt immediately. And she's like, whoa, hello, old friend. I haven't seen you <laughs> since I had Bonsai, buddy. You know? <laughs> oh. and, and if you're Mr. Chin, you haven't seen that since, like, you know, five months ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's, uh, with Hyper Terminal, one other thing that you can do that I wouldn't necessarily say is phone freaking related, but it is something fun with the phone networks, is you can abuse the deaf relay system. So if you are uh, if you are deaf, you're obviously not listening to this show. Uh, but maybe you know someone who's <laughs> deaf, and you'd like to call them. 
Well, uh, first off, that's kind of rude because you could just text them. But uh, before we had <laughs> cell phones, <laughs> deaf people would have these teletype machines hooked into a phone line. And uh, to have conversation uh, with a person who is of hearing, uh, they would dial into a, a deaf relay TTY line. Uh, which is what you can do with any terminal uh, application like HyperTerminal. So once they uh, log into this uh, system, uh, there is a shorthand code system that you use that's kind of similar to ham radio actually, uh, but you use this to dial a number and then a deaf relay operator will call that person and uh, say hello. And uh, at that point, you are... Like, uh, I don't know what Def Relay is. They explain the service, and they're like, oh, okay. And you're like, hey, Chester. And then the Def Relay operator just goes, and then the Def person's like, reads, hey, Chester. They say, hey, Joe. And then the Def, re uh, relay, Def Relay operator then says, hey, Joe. They are federally required to say everything verbatim uh, from... What the person says, they have to type it. What the person types, they have to say it. And so, that was fun to play with. Uh, but you could actually uh, use that to call people for various reasons. Uh, it was it really confused people, so it's great for social engineering. Uh, and it was 100% toll-free. Uh, but later on, that moved to IP Relay, where you could use AOL Instant Messenger or websites. To be able to do relay calls and that's when it really blew up for abuse because it was basically an untraceable way of harassing people uh but you can still use those deaf relay lines uh, uh at&t sprint verizon and the federal government uh and states all offer dial up tty numbers so go get a modem get uh tone lock start war dialing get hyper terminal and start playing around it's still a lot out there to play with on these relatively old systems so um what else is there do you have do you guys have anything that you feel like we've missed out on the pre-2000 era of phone freaking um no i wasn't you know i didn't really know or get into phone freaking until like after phone freaking almost like um getting onto phone conferences was like where I started and uh, just basically talking to other phone freaks on conferences and it was all really cool but I never really played around with it other than some really basic stuff as a kid not, not even knowing about phone freaking just you know word gets around about um, <clears throat> uh, you, you know like uh, pulse dialing on the uh, switch hook yeah yeah the switch hook Things like that. Oh, you're so old. You probably experienced party lines. No, actually, <laughs> um, I didn't have a touch tone phone until I was a teenager. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm, I'm not that old. It's just the place that I lived, you know, was a little slower to adopt technology. Um, and I remember... I really wanted a touchstone phone and because there were people that lived, you know, just a few minutes away that, you know, they were set up for touchstone and I bought a Swatch phone. And if you remember the watchmaker called Swatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they sold these phones where 
I mean, they were really cool. Now, I didn't get freaky when I was a kid, but I did a lot of prank calling. Of course, like, of course. Yeah, a lot of prank calling. Who um, hasn't? <laughs> and <laughs> so I got this swatch phone because you could also pick up the base, and on the underside of the base was another phone handset. So two people could be on the oh, same phone at the same time. Nice, nice. So it was great for prank calling if your you know your friend was was over. But I was so excited because I remember reading on the box that um, it says something like you know supports uh, uh, something like supports uh, non-touch tone lines. And the way I remember my my child mind interpreted that was this phone is magic and it's going to give me touch tones <laughs> and so can you imagine the first time i hook it up and i'm so excited and uh i dial a number and instead of touch tones it's just tick 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 so like all of the pulses yeah and so it takes just as long as a rotary phone i was so bummed out oh that's awful well, I actually, uh, I was really into phone freaking when I was, uh, I mean, that's what got me into hacking was phone freaking. And uh, I I had my beige box design and uh, that was a little different than uh, what was in a lot of the text files and stuff. Uh, it ended up being a pretty popular design afterwards, but the, uh, the phone I would use when I was younger do y'all do y'all remember these things called hit clips? It was like um, the early two thousands when they came out. No. Well, it was uh, during like the bubblegum pop uh, era, and there were these <laughs> there were these uh, little chips that uh, had a very small sound file. And you could have this hit clips player. It was kind of like a precursor to MP3 players, where you had these little chips that, uh, you know, kind of like those charms. Oh, like played like one or two songs. Yeah, one song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yes. had a I had a hit clips phone, and why I wanted it was because it was extremely tiny. I mean, it was, it, it was something that f fit in your hand. I mean, it was it was very very small. Uh, and it would use a 2.5 millimeter like earbud headset. And when I saw that in, in the toy section, I was like, oh my God, I have to have this. This is perfect for beige boxing. But I had a lot of fun calling people up and playing the, the hit clips uh, song. Uh, oh. And mine just happened to be uh, this, this song right here. Is this like Backstreet Boys or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let me, let me, <laughs> let me do it now. So it was the call from Backstreet Boys, and <laughs> and whenever I would call someone and they'd be super pissed off, that was like the perfect thing to press play and uh really piss them off uh and just do it over and over again i used to do collect calls on a on a cell phone that was deactivated uh so they would be like three dollars a minute <laughs> and what i would <laughs> i would just pick a random number in the phone book and and dial them and just start screaming out their name and say help 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 and and so they'd always get like accept the charge and then i'd laugh at them for paying three bucks just to hear the call <coughs> so 
Yeah, lots of fun there. Uh, there are a lot of really cool <laughs> phones in the day. <clears throat> I'll collect calls, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, good stuff. And actually, when uh, 800 uh, collect is uh, being discontinued soon. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, so... You're gonna have I didn't to. even think collect calls existed anymore because... I don't know. Yeah, no, they, they've done away with a lot of, like, the, the calling cards, like the prepaid ones. You know how back in the day when, like, payphones were the main way of communicating when you're out on the go? You would have, yeah. like, a, like a, almost like a debit card, like a prepaid debit card type thing where it was a, uh, or a postpaid uh, calling card. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, the for a while the long-distance service that I had, um, I got it through a friend who... You know, he was a, like a reseller trying to make money. It was so, sort of like Amway for uh, calling cards, right? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, I mean, not calling cards, but like long-distance service. But it came with a calling card that would just bill your account. And I used to carry that around with me just in case. Yeah, you were, nothing's cooler than having a beeper and a calling card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pagers. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole nother show. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty much it, I guess, uh, for this episode. Uh, I want to thank Polygon for uh, stepping in for Mr. Chin and making a shit ton of noise and not talking. Um, I want to thank... Oh. Um, actually, one thing I wanted to add for the listeners oh. that find phone freaking interesting is um, you can actually find a lot of old podcasts or... You know, internet radio shows as they used to call them about phone freaking um at textfiles.com and there's some really great shows like uh hacknip. default radio <laughs> yeah hacknip oh dude hacknip is the shit phenomenal uh <laughs> yeah default radio uh um, yep. radio freak america oh yeah uh, yep. even bin rev radio um and bin rev did a freak factor for a while freak which was factor. like a, a, just a recorded conference for like five hours yeah <laughs> uh and uh, and polygon and i actually uh fucked over one of their episodes really bad <laughs> uh it got them so confused that like uh black ratchet one of the the uh leaders of the show was kicked off the conference because they thought that he was me because I kept blasting the conference with tones. Uh, and they just, they all thought it was Tron. And no, it was just me. And you know, all I did was I got two phones and I put like the microphone and speakers together. So it was just like really, it was just feedback and it was horrible. Uh, if we did this for multiple episodes to where they even made a web page where you could see who was talking at that, at that moment and vote people off. And... <laughs> and I want to say at some point I actually had Stink Dog kicked off because uh, because of the confusion because I would only do a tone whenever he would speak <laughs> so Freak, Freak Factor is really fun all of those shows are really the inspiration for this podcast so um, definitely check them out if it weren't for them uh, we wouldn't be together actually because Polygon and I uh, met for, on a on the Phone Losers uh, forums at the time. It was Cow's forums, and then and then I met uh, Coder, uh, aka Mr. Chin, and then we all met together with uh, 
You know, that, that was the link. So this wouldn't even be around if it wasn't for phone freaking. So Yeah, that's how I met Polygon. I, that's how I met all you guys, actually. Coder. When I first met Coder, he's like, hey, you want to jump on a conference with this this guy that I know from, well, I guess I don't want to drop docs. But yeah, from then on, it was, you know, almost every night hanging out in conferences and things like that. Yeah, it's really, it's really crazy uh, that Roxy she was really popular on the snowplow show and and phone losers uh we we would constantly be on conferences when i was like in high school and she wasn't even 20 yet and then uh now we we uh see each other all the time here in, in the dfw uh infosec community uh like years later uh so it, it's it's cool how just getting on a conference line and, and just bullshitting and making phone calls and uh, doing that for hours can actually be entertaining and uh, you meet friends that last for uh, longer than, than in real life friends. <laughs> <laughs> for example, at Mr. Chin's wedding, Black Math was his best man. And, That's right. And I somehow got invited. Uh, so. And we all uh, threw his bachelor party too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Zandy. And you know what? Uh, Mr. Chin's uh, phone conference friends uh, resulted in Mr. Chin having a better bachelor party than uh, I would say most folks do. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, he got locked in a room for an hour uh, with us in an escape mission. <laughs> and yeah, the, the, the zombie escape mission. Yeah. And nothing completed me more than when he was killed uh, early on and just had to sit in the corner and watch. <laughs> well, let's not forget, we, we started his bachelor party morning by, uh, the shadow uh, by breaking into his bedroom and <laughs> blowing a bunch of uh, fog machine smoke using Whiskey's vape. Yeah. And then playing techno music and a strobe light. It wasn't just techno music. It was the Shadow Systems theme song that was oh, being that's played. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so there's actually video of this. Yeah. So all of this greatness uh, uh, comes from uh, hopping on a conference line and talking and uh, exploring the phone system. And we're not the only ones. Uh, literally thousands of people across the world have met and become friends and uh, enemies <laughs> over these conference <laughs> lines. <laughs> so many Let's not enemies. forget about the enemies. Yeah, so many enemies and drama. But uh, yeah, I hope that if you're interested in phone freaking, there's a lot of awesome sites out there. Uh, textfiles.com being one of them. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you definitely want to check out evan-doorbell.com and listen to his amazing uh, series that he put together. Uh, PhoneLosers.org, uh, if you want to see more of the uh, pranking side. Their zine did also cover some phone freaking stuff, but it's mainly just phone-related harassment and uh, uh, <laughs> f funny, funny things from all of that. Uh, and then you've got... Also, the book that came out a couple of years ago, Exploding the Phone by Bill Lapsey. Uh, it's a great book. Yes, yes. Uh, Exploding the Phone from uh, Phil Lapsey is a great book. Uh, Kevin Polson, uh, the news editor for Wired, 
Uh, he, he wrote the, the book Kingpin. If you're in information security, you definitely know who Kevin Polson is. Um, he, he said about this book, the definitive account of the first generation of network hackers. It turns a technological love story, a, counter a countercultural history, and a generation-spanning epic. Uh, this book is really, really good. It gives an amazing history of phone freaking uh, that uh, probably doesn't... Uh, ha I mean, like, this is so extensive. It's an amazing book. I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, and, uh, also, the website Freak vids.com freak vids yeah it's uh phone freaking videos they're really pretty cool it's documentary style stuff from back in the day oh real okay cool oh, nice uh, you know what else phone freaking started that uh you know you don't ever hear about that people think started with the internet is uh trolling uh yeah you talk about internet trolls but uh internet trolls came about because everybody was a bunch of assholes on uh, phone conferences and phone networks. Yes. And, uh, you know, speaking of enemies. Yeah. And that even goes further back to the original hackers, uh, ham radio operators. Uh, all of that kind of hacking, phone freaking, ham radio, all of that kind of for a while was, uh, you know, hobbyists were immersed in all three of, the, of those commonly. Um, so another really cool site that I would recommend is uh, Freaks and Geeks, and that's and that's spelled uh, with P H R E A K S, uh, and that that is definitely a great site. It's currently offline, but if you go to archive.org, you can look at the uh, archive of that website. Um, and yeah, th there's a there's a lot out there, and uh, you can. Learn the history, and next episode we will cover the current state of uh, phone freaking over the past 16 years. So we'll have a lot of really cool stuff to talk about there. Not just about the PTSN uh, phone network, but VoIP and cellular as well. So be sure to check it out and uh, invite all your friends to cuddle around and listen to the podcast on Friday. Because uh, it'll be uh, a really good one. We're going to have some zero-day knowledge dropped on you. Some trade secrets. And, and uh, uh, some, uh, I don't know, depending on how much we talk about cell phone stuff, we might talk into some more... I don't know, that's a, probably a whole episode on a different topic there. But yeah, we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about phones again. So check it out, peeps. Um... Any uh, last words from you, Polygon? Uh, I don't think that was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for contributing so much. It really, it really added to the show. So thank you, um, <laughs> Black Thanks, Ma Mr. Chin. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Chin. I hope you're sleeping well. Uh, thanks, Zandy, for being a dick and prioritizing getting with a woman over uh, us. Uh, <laughs> You asshole. Um, Blackbath, you got anything else to say? No, just tune in next week. It'll be uh, just as great. And maybe a Mr. Chin will uh, uh, he'll probably fall asleep again. Oh, yeah, he definitely will. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for uh, sticking it out. And 
for all of you listeners, thank you. And uh, if you are listening on SoundCloud, you can subscribe to the podcast if you have uh, iTunes or uh, iPhone, iPad. You can uh, just search for Shadow Systems on the iTunes Store and be able to sub- subscribe. We're also oh, is it on- there? Oh, yeah. It's been up there for like months. I've just never mentioned it. Uh, oh, because I, I manually added it uh, when we first started. I didn't know it was in the iTunes store. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It finally got approved after months and months of trying. And then uh, if you uh, have a uh, podcatcher client, you can always find our RSS feed at uh, twitter.com slash SS underscore HTP. Uh, that's our Twitter account. It's the pin tweet. So uh, subscribe and make your life a whole lot easier. Uh, But uh, from everyone here at Shadow Systems, as always, we encourage you to hack the planet. Shadow Systems.